Welcome to MAP, the bi-weekly market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. Mars makes it as easy as possible for you to get your pharmaceutical, medtech or digital health product to the market and of course get the price it deserves. My name is Stefan Walzer, I'm the founder of Mars and a health economist by training and working in the fields of market access, reimbursement, pricing and health economics already since 2004. And now let's learn about the market access and reimbursement systems around the globe. One of the core aspects within the AMNOC process is, of course, the price negotiation. That's the second component and part of the AMNOC process. The first one, I think that's also what we had already in various episodes so far, and also within our um, Mars webinars, is the benefit assessment with the GBA. But once that is basically passed, we just assume here a positive added benefit for the product we're discussing about, then the doors are basically being opened for the price negotiations. How does that really look like? The price negotiations are being done with the so-called head association of the Statutory Health Insurance Fund. No worries, the word is not getting better in German. The German word for it is GKV Spitzenverband, um, which is then leading the price negotiation from the payer's side. On the other side, we have obviously the pharmaceutical company, the industry, each side will come and can come with up to five participants to the round. So there are four rounds of negotiations. Um, They are basically given, the days are given by the head association directly after the benefit assessment has been decided on. And those days and negotiation rounds need to be taken as well by the pharmaceutical industry. So this is not up for negotiations at the end of the day. Who should participate? Obviously, you need to have a negotiation lead. You should have a lawyer for sure. And we'll hear that as well with our guest today, um, Bibiana Schulte-Bosse, one of the core lawyers also in the AMLOG negotiation processes. But also you should obviously have one person who is aware and can also speak about the international European prices as a kind of price anchor, any comparative kind of products which are maybe available in the, in the indication. Also very important still are the sales. So the current sales which can happen after launch, meaning within the first six, seven months before the first negotiation round, because there's obviously the free pricing during the benefit assessment with the GBA. And that is what is also being assessed and compared with as also obviously the payer side have their kind of data and that's also up for discussion. And finally, very important, you need to come up with a contract, not only agreeing on the price itself, but also on other components like, for example, practice exemptions or the length, the duration of the contract and a lot of other things which need to be agreed on. So you see that there might be already quite good number of negotiation mass as well within that kind of process. So how does that really look like? You need obviously to be very prepared. The first negotiation round is rather still a kind of welcoming, get to know each other as well, that the company is normally taking the opportunity to present again the value of the product, not to forget the benefit itself is and should not and no more be really discussed as this is being granted already by the GBA, but you should basically as well put that um, foot again into the door just to say, listen, this is where we see the value. 
please no cost effectiveness data just forever whoever is not that familiar within the German context. Then you have negotiation round two and three. What we normally see, this is the real differentiation phase where also, let's say, the kind of um, arguing starts, the discussions are really getting hot sometimes, content-based hot, right? Um, where you see also that each side is taking their kind of role and also their kind of clear position. And within that phase, it's very important that you have also the so-called face-to-face um, contact between the negotiation leads. So it's normally just those two who are then trying already, let's say, to find a solution. And there, obviously, you need as well to um, learn and train beforehand which kind of tactics might also work from a negotiation strategy perspective. And then negotiation round four, that is normally where the two sides should as well agree to the price and also to the contract, but that's rarely happening. That's also what we will hear in the next couple of minutes by Bibiane. Um, normally, each side is taking the opportunity to further put some pressure on the other side, right? Because at the end of the day, the real hard endpoint, let's say, is the 12 months period, because that is when the free pricing basically ends. But you need to keep in mind three weeks beforehand, you would need to file as well your case with the arbitration board just in case it would need to go there if there might be no agreement. How the arbitration board looks like, we'll also now hear besides the negotiations perspective, especially from a legal and contracting perspective from Bibiane Schulterbosse, as already said, one of the core lawyers in Germany with respect to the healthcare market. Thank you very much, Bibiane, uh, our lawyer from the German healthcare system, if you want to call it like that. I think you have already fought a lot of different fights for your different clients, and I think especially around and in the AMNOC context. Um, true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think just generally, I think um, as we want to focus today, probably also a bit on the legal aspect. Could you describe the outcome of the price negotiation, the AMNOC context, exactly from that legal perspective? Yes, uh, of course. But uh, Stefan, I, I think I have to elaborate a little bit for this question. Um, the reimbursement amount negotiated at the end with the GKV um, represent the monetization of the additional benefit awarded by the GBA. In Germany, it is like uh, this, um, the law since 2011, so it's now the 10th year of the AMNOC um, right now. The um, pharmaceutical company has to submit a dossier to the GBA at the time of the first marketing of his new drug in Germany. In this dossier, the pharmaceutical company then has to demonstrate um, the additional benefit of this new active um, substance compared to the appropriate comparator therapy. Um, the GBA or the um, ICWIC then reviews this dossier and publishes the dossier evaluation within um, a time period of three months. The company then has um, the chance to um, um, yeah, comment on this and submit a written and an oral comment in the oral hearing, as well as, um, of course, other companies or other interested parties, such as professional societies, um, et cetera. And then um, another three months later, the GBA then makes a decision on this additional benefit of this new active substance and this new drug in form of a, of a resolution. This resolution becomes then part of the so-called um, pharmaceutical guideline 
uh, and is thus binding for the GKV as well as the um, GKV accredited physicians. Um, and this decision by the GBA, um, this resolution is the most important basis for this price negotiations in the AMNA uh, context um, from a legal perspective. Um, this decision and its content, as well as the supporting reasons for this decision, um, is uh, the basis from which you, you know, jump off in the negotiations. Um, for drugs with an additional benefit, uh, the European prices are also relevant, as well as uh, the cost of the so-called comparable drugs. They also play a role. And um, the price that is ultimately negotiated and applies from the 13th months after the loss is therefore a conglomerate of many different factors. Of course, the most important basis is the GBA decisions and the supporting reasons of the GBA. And, um, but as, as well, uh, the European prices and um, the yeah, cost of uh, the comparative um, therapies. The reimbursement amount um, is then um, not only relevant to the GKV, but also to other payers, such as private health insurance companies, et cetera, and applies both to the outpatient and inpatient sector. So um, the price you negotiate is you know, for the whole system in Germany and binding for everything. Of course, um, this only represents the maximum price, but um, it's possible to undercut the price, but who does this in the end? The agreement um, and the outcome of the price negotiations, as you've asked, um, is also relevant for the um, questions of the so-called efficiency of the drug. The agreement um, the pharmaceutical company um, makes with the GKV ensures the economic efficiency of this new drug. The um, early benefit assessment and the agreements, that's what the law and the reasons for the law, for the AMLOC law says, yeah, specifies the appropriateness and the cost effectiveness of the drug. This does not mean that every prescription of this new drug is always appropriate and economical in each and every case. Of course, the, the doctor who prescribes the drug has to look um, on the individual case and has to decide um, always for the treatment in the individual case. Means of sev several active ingredients are available for the therapy. Um, the doctor is required to look into section 12 of the um, social code of justice book number five, and then has to select the, yeah, the right drug, which is appropriateness, appropriate and yeah, efficient for the patient. Yeah, that's, I think, the most um, important legal perspective um, facts you, you can talk about <laughs> or uh, the outcome of the price negotiations. Yeah, that's perfect. I think that's nicely summarized, Viviane. Um, I also remember, I think you said once, obviously in German, uh, something mm -hmm. like, I love contracts as they define a frame of our kind of doing, um, which was very interesting for me because I'm, you know, as you know, I'm an economist, so I'm not so close to a contract, but I think taking your kind of, let's say, uh, quote there, what are the main components of the contract from your perspective, again, in the AMNOC context? 
Yeah, it sounds a little bit odd to say I love contracts. <laughs> it sounds it's weird, <laughs> but, but it's the way it is. I mean, that's my job and uh, you have always to love what you do. Um, the um, components of the contract, I think um, an agreement with a GKV is um, quite short compared to the Anglo-American legal system. There are usually um, only eight paragraphs to this um contract in the, um, the the reimbursement amount contract um, between the GKV and the pharmaceutical company. But quite of the, uh, some of those paragraphs are quite lengthy. The most important part, of course, is uh, the regulation of the amount of the price and from when it applies, of course. The so-called framework agreement, the Rahmenvereinbarung, further stipulates that the parties must also agree on quantities of the drug, um, of the quantities that are prescribed, and what happens if there's a deviation from the agreed quantities. Um, these quantities are not a maximum quantity that is agreed upon. Um, ultimately, the quantities are negotiated based on the companies estimates of how much of his new drug um, they will sell in the coming year or in the coming years. And in the vast majority of the um, reimbursement amount agreements, the GKV reserves um, itself, uh, himself a right of a special termination of uh, the agreement if the agreed quantities are exceeded. The consequences um, if the GKV um, uh, will terminate the agreement is that the reimbursement amount, of course, is then renegotiated, sometimes on the premise um, that the cost burden on the health insurance funds was higher than originally assumed when um, contracting um, because the quantities were exceeded. Then this actually means if you agree on such a premise, it means the kind of penalty discount for the company at the expense of the contractor. That's why I, for example, always try to um, negotiate this clause out of the contract again. However, special terminations due to this uh, quantity exceeds are, from my yeah, experience, uh, extremely rare in, in the practice. I've seen a few, but it's um, not the rule. It has recently also become clear that the GKV also would like to have regulations in the contract on what happens with the reimbursement about if the information and the expert information and the so-called Fachinformation um, on dosages uh, change, for example. This is also a matter of negotiation, whether this is agreed upon or not. It's not legally required, but it's something the GKV would really like to have. That's what uh, we can see from the past um, couple of months. Of course, the contract also contains regulations on how to deal with the notification of the price and how the uh, subsequent reimbursement will take place. Such a subsequent reimbursement situa situation always arises, for example, if an agreement is reached only after the reimbursement amount has long since been due, for example, because the arbitration board has to make a decision, or maybe because you negotiate longer than you should have negotiated. For this constellation, the contract also contains certain regulation on how you do this and how you handle this subsequent reimbursement, um, in particular, how excess manufacturers discounts 
paid are to be handled and to be paid back, um, uh, back or forth, and who has to prove what to whom, whether and how much interest is to be uh, to be paid in the event of of a default, etc. What is also very important, especially and only for drugs with an additional benefit, is um, the fact that it is possible um, to negotiate with the GKV that the prescriptions of your drug with the additional benefit may be recognized as so-called practice specialties. In German, you would say Praxis Besonderheit. I don't know. I, I don't think there's a real uh, translation for this word. It's a very <laughs> unique. Yeah. Um, this I would yeah, translate it as practice specialties. This means that these drugs are privileged when prescribed by the physicians and are um, ultimately not subject to um, a later performance audit or efficiency uh, audit. The GKV is um, very cautious on this point, uh, as uh, we've seen in the past years. You have to really actively demand this um, as a pharmaceutical company to um, add this and include this in the contract. Um, but in the end, um, yeah, we've been successful in this point in most parts. Yeah, yeah I think that's it. I mean, the contract is, as I've said, quite short, but um, yeah. has its... Uh, Difficulties. Yeah, exactly. It is, sometimes has, 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 it, it's it's taste of pepper as well, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, perfect. Um, okay. Um, I mean, you have been obviously part of a lot of negotiations, and you have seen also a lot of different, let's say, products. And I think you have also let's say negotiated also some contracts around the frame of the AMNOC, but just generally. I think probably not even mentioning the product, what has been the most challenging negotiation you have been part of and why? I think every negotiation is kind of challenging in its own way. And it's um, it's quite difficult to single out one negotiation here. You know, we've handled um, uh, from our law firm um, almost one third of every AMNOC negotiations um, yeah, since 2000. 11, so we've seen a lot of cases. But um, I think what I would um, highlight uh, is the negotiation um, of the children's medicines, so-called Puma uh, medicines. I have negotiated most Pumas with the GKV SV, both the first Puma in the form of Hemangiol, which um, at that time had been granted uh, a considerable additional benefit by the GBA. And a particular very difficult challenge was perhaps the negotiation of um, the drug Alkindi with the active ingredients hydrocortisone, which is a puma and however, regrettable did not receive an additional benefit from the GBA. Alkindi has a new dosage form and active ingredient release which makes the drug particularly suitable for very young children from age, yeah, from the very beginning for um, babies and toddlers. But there was no additional benefit for this important product, which means that the reimbursement amount by law should not be higher than the annual therapy costs of its um, appropriate comparator therapy. The comparator therapy in this case was hydrocortisone, which is 
generally key available for decades. And it's, uh, of course, with a dramatically low price because there are generics on this market for hydrocortisone, um, which in no way did justice the innovation that Alkini represented. So um, then the inevitable happened. Um, we didn't reach an agreement with the, the GKV in negotiations and the arbitration board had to decide upon this. That's why I can, you know, it's, um, I think, known in the market that we represented the company and this drug. That's why I can talk about so freely about this. Um, and the negotiations also on the arbitration board had then been tough and in the end, um, I, I'm quite happy that it was possible to agree that in this special exceptional case for a Puma with no additional benefit, the so-called should rule was applied. We call it in German the um, Sollregelung, um, which means that the reimbursement amount um, in very special cases may exceed the annual therapy costs of the um, comparative therapy which means Alkindi did get a price which was higher than the generic hydrocortisone. And um, yeah, this ensured, of course, the availability of this drug um, on the German market and for the, um, yeah, for the children, which was quite um, yeah, a highlight, I think, of all the negotiations um, that I had. Yeah, that, that, that sound already, I think, very, let's say, not only challenging, but I think ultimately also a, with, the, with, I think, a good kind of uh, outcome at the end, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, uh, sometimes, you know, the outcome of uh, such procedures make you kind of happy and it's always good to do something for the children. <laughs> that's yeah, uh, yeah. wonderful. But of course, negotiations are challenging in, um, in other ways too. I mean, you have to remember that the employees of the ABNOC department of the GKV do nothing whole day through but negotiate prices. So they have a very special negotiating experience, of course, and are skilled at it. And there you have to be prepared um, for a lot of things that can happen to you outside of those legal and technical aspects. So um, you have to, yeah, have to really be good at negotiating and, uh, yeah, be, you know, deal with the other party in another way than only on the legal basis. You have to be prepared yeah. for kind of dirty tricks sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I think a negotiation is a negotiation, not just, let's say, a discussion on maybe some legal um, aspects or maybe on, on price aspects. I mean, mm -hmm. both sides, let's say, try to get the best out of it. And then I think, as you said, sometimes um, yourself or also, let's call it the other side, also plays, let's say, um, also kind of dirty tricks. Fully agree with you. Mm -hmm. Okay, I mean, you have also mentioned um, in your, let's say, um, answer to your let's say, most challenging kind of negotiation, um, the arbitration board. Can you also elaborate here a bit on the process and also in the special the dynamics of the arbitration board negotiations? Because that's obviously and ultimately a separate, let's call it maybe even a third step, right, within the AMNOC process. Yeah, you may, you may call it a third step. That's uh, That's true. Um, an arbitration board procedure is incredible, time-consuming and stressful. You've got a lot of gray hairs there, um, even though it's actually <laughs> wonderful for me as a lawyer, of course. Um, but 
um, I have to, to say that I always negotiate in a way that avoids the arbitration board as an outcome, if possible, because, um, of course, what does a pharmaceutical company want? They want to have um, a negotiated um, price as soon as possible and want to be sure what price they can, um, you know, um, they can charge in Germany. The arbitration procedure comes at the end of the negotiation process if the parties have not reached an agreement within the time frame of six months. Then the arbitration board has to decide. Um, the decision of this arbitration board can be appealed to um, the Berlin-Brandenburg Regional Social Court of Justice, and then again appeal to the uh, Federal Social Court of Justice in Kassel. The arbitration board itself is formed by um, one impartial chairman, which is currently Professor Huster, and two other impartial members. Then both the company and the GKV appoint two additional impartial members to this arbitration board. The arbitration board thus consists a total of seven persons, among um, whom a majority always must be found for a given decision, of course. The company itself um, also is represented as the party in the proceedings and is thus representing his interests. The procedure of an arbitration board um, procedure is ultimately similar to court proceedings, I would say, um, only with um, a lot more participants who are in the room. At the oral hearing and at an arbitration board proceeding, there are easily 20 or more people present which you do not have um, during or at an oral hearing at a court. They are usually only the, um, the, the judges, which may be um, one to three judges and, of course, the parties, but not more than 20 pe or people or so. In addition to the arbitration board itself, who are already seven people, there are the parties, um, who usually also consist about three to six people, I would say, then there's a representative present of the Federal Ministry of Health, um, a representative of an affected patient organization. The deputies of the impartial members are there, court reporter, translators, and experts if necessary. So that adds up to quite a few people in the room. The arbitration board is uh, usually called upon by one of the negotiation parties who then submits um, the request for arbitration. And each party then has to submit a more specific request in which it sets out its positions and requests and explains them in detail. So there's a lot of legal work and a lot of, of course, pharmaceutical and medical writing you have to do in such uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah, request you hand into the arbitration board. Such a pleading uh, sometimes uh, consists more than 60 pages. And that's quite exhausting, of course, not only to write, but also to re review, um, as you can imagine. The oral hearing needs to be very well prepared. At the beginning, each party has the opportunity to present its position again, often with the help of a PowerPoint presentation. And um, of course, one should prepare the negotiation in terms of arguments, work, of, work out of fallback positions and compromise solutions maybe that may come into play. Um, all in all, this is very time consuming for both sides, I think. Um, and you have to think it through carefully because you don't know the outcome, of course. Um, the outcome is sometimes kind of unpredictable. 
And, you know, we have a nice German saying. It says, um, in court and on the high sea, you're alone in the God of hands. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's always a little bit luck included. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th I, th I agree. And I think, uh, I think it, it was also a good kind of, let's say, um, uh, let's say picture you just uh, have as well drawn um, to, let's say, the situation which might have happened outside of the Amnon process. I think then everybody could also maybe understand a bit how the arbitration uh, board process would look like. So you have also mentioned the, the arbitration board and the different kind of processes. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had Professor Vazam as well um, in the podcast, and he was also mentioning, because we had the discussion a bit on various decisions, that especially for some of the orphan drugs, it's really sometimes really getting tricky, right? Especially if you don't have EU prices, for example, available at the time of the negotiation, and maybe in some of the areas as well, no comparable drugs, right? So maybe the so-called solitaire status for those products. And then ultimately the kind of, let's call it price anchor is what you also mentioned earlier, the added benefit. What is your kind of, let's say, feeling how this could be really resolved Probably, and especially in the arbitration board. Um, it's always difficult if you don't have um, um, a comparator, which is quite often uh, for um, for often drugs, because they are, you know, um, yeah, a drug of its own, and they are the first and only drug for um, a special sickness and a special um, disease. So, um, if you don't have a comparator, uh, comparator drugs, you don't have the annual treatment cost of the comparator, then you have to rely only on the um, amount of the additional benefit on the one hand and the EU prices on the other hand. And of course, the EU prices are always... Um, yeah, um, are always disputed by the other party because, you know, nobody um, tries to, tr nobody trusts each other with the EU prices, which is quite difficult. Um, and the question is then, how do you monetize the additional benefit for these drugs then? Yeah, the, the outcome, I think, is very, um, yeah, as I've said, is unpredictable with these uh, drugs. What my experience is that, um, in most cases, the GKV or the and the company they avoid a decision at the end by the arbitration board for these uh, special kind of drugs because I don't think uh, the um, the decision the arbitration board then makes would be there is no right decision you know um, so it would be very difficult for a court if you appeal this decision to the court. To, to rule about it if, if this was the right decision and the price was the right, the one and only right price. So, um, yeah, most of the times, I think, in the end, nevertheless, they have called upon the arbitration board. The parties come to an agreement before the arbitration board has to decide. Yeah, perfect. And I think at the end of the day, I think even if, a, if an economist has already said that the quantification, the monetary quantification of the added benefit is difficult, then, you know, it's probably also even more difficult when you think maybe about judges uh, um, at a court. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Thank you very much, Fabiana. That was a great discussion, great talk, great insights. Looking forward also to further collaboration in the future. Of course. Thank you very much, Stefan. It was a pleasure. Great insights also from a contracting and legal perspective from Bibiana. 
and she's again confirming that I think for the negotiations one should be really prepared not only knowing obviously when you want to go so the target price but also the very steps which need to be taken to get there on top of that obviously it's very important and that's maybe not always the easiest case especially if you're um, a non-native speaker in German to understand all of the important aspects with respect to contracting but no worries I think um, at the end of the day there are various lawyers available in Germany who could also help and explain the specifics of it also then in English um, in order to really get prepared into those kind of negotiations. How the whole kind of things might change in the future, especially after the elections, one would need to see. But at the end of the day, quite clearly the negotiations will hold. And on top of that, we have also had just, just very briefly in, in the discussion with Bibiana, the DIGA pathway, the digital healthcare applications. And they have now as well just started their negotiation rounds. The first ones are just starting there. So we need as well to see how those results would really be achieved. In terms of arbitration board, I mean, there was a change. We have also already quickly discussed that from, uh, or let's say, between the two different heads. Beforehand, it was a health economist. It was Professor Vasem. He will also be part of one of the episodes within the Map Market Access podcast. I think he was quite clearly focusing still on the frame of the price negotiations. And I think also what we have seen so far, not really a lot of arbitration decisions after um, the changes, which is then consistent, not only because of the change, but also beforehand, I think number of cases really went significantly down. Um, but I think the whole kind of, let's say, decision-making with the rationals are following still the same kind of pathway. I think there is no clear route. There's no algorithm behind. So I think at the end of the day, as Bibiana said it, it's in the hands of God <laughs> in a way when you go to the arbitration board. Ultimately, it depends on the case. I think you would only file for arbitration if you really find and think that you have an advantage. But obviously, you don't know what the other side is doing. So let's stay tuned for other episodes of the Map Market Access podcast also with respect to drugs, but also in terms of medical devices and digital health applications. That was an episode of MAP, the market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. MAP is available every second week with a new episode, so watch out. And in case you might have questions, contact me directly and or visit our website on www.marketaccess-pricingstrategy.de